Earlier this month, Vladimir Putin traveled to Beijing to meet Chinese President Xi Jinping ahead of the Winter Olympics, strengthening ties between its main trading partner or with its main trading partner and reportedly coordinating their positions on Ukraine during a meeting between the foreign ministers of both countries that same week. Now, today, China refuses to condemn Russia's attack on Ukraine, instead urging restraint by, quote, all parties. China says it understands, quote, Russia's legitimate security concerns uh, surrounding Ukraine. So how important is that alliance now between Russia and Ukraine? How, or Russia and China, rather, how stable is it? Joining me now is Gordon Holden. He's Director Emeritus of the China Institute and Professor of Political Science at the University of Alberta. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, Ben. I guess just from from a political scientist's perspective, uh, your reaction to what's unfolded uh, since uh, since late last night? Well, it's extraordinary. I think that um, few, I think, in the West predicted that the Russian military action would be as ambitious and thorough as appears to be the case. Um, there was much discussion about a more limited um, incursion into the most eastern parts of Ukraine. This is something rather more ambitious. I think Putin has taken his calculations and decided that he knows what the Western reaction is likely to be. He's prepared for it and is um, ready to suffer the consequences. But I was surprised at the scale and size. But if you're in a military operation, surprise and scale, um, which Russia has the options for both, are, are a good thing if you want quick success. Clearly, uh, China's role in this is a very interesting one. Um, what do you make of China's reaction so far to what's unfolded in Ukraine? I think China's been partially taken by surprise. I mean, it can't have been a complete surprise to China that Russia would act, but they made very little provision for evacuating their some 6,000 um, nationals from Ukrainian territory. Uh, they were, the press spokesperson was saying today um, that the uh, Russians were not going to shell cities. Well, shell might mean artillery, but they've certainly bombed or used cruise missile attacks on cities. And I think that they, uh, they were thrust, as I believe, the scale. And I think that's really the um, somewhat flustered reaction, I thought, of the press spokesperson at the MFA, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs briefing um, in, in Beijing. I mean, I think they were asked directly whether or not Putin had given them advance warning that this was going to unfold uh, at this scale and at this time. Uh, I gather they had not. What would China have been looking out for? How much connect? How much communication would there typically be between Russia and China uh, for an event like this? Well, I guess my thinking is that even if China had been forewarned, they wouldn't tell us that they had been forewarned. It wouldn't be in their interest. But I think that, well, begin with, I think that, specific military actions are unlikely that any military is going to reveal those uh, unless it's a formal ally. And even in that case, perhaps not. Uh, but I think that the discussion that Xi and Putin had at the beginning of the Olympics, uh, this must have come up. And I would be amazed if Putin did not indicate that his determination to act in some fashion, that doesn't mean necessarily a military attack. There are still negotiations going forward. Um, but I think that China may have clung to the hope that it would not mean a, a, a direct invasion, a word they don't accept. I don't think it's actually in China's own interest, and I don't think that they are pleased to see a whole front of, of um, instability opened in the middle of Europe. 
What is, I mean, one would suspect that Russia would not be able to go ahead and do this and sort of face the wrath of the West without some sort of tacit understanding or overt understanding with China that China would continue, would at least stand aside. Is that a fair assumption? I would tend to agree that they, certainly the Russians would want to make sure that, that China is not going to oppose them. I do accept the press spokesman's, the Chinese press spokesperson's argument that um, Russia didn't need Chinese assistance per se, but they would want at a minimum some understanding and in effect neutrality and a clear indication that there was not going to be um, Chinese sanctions or that they were not going to join in a broad condemnation. I think they've got all those things. What is in what here is in China's interest then to uh, to not oppose Russia, to not stand with the rest of the of the United Nations Security Council, for instance? Well, I think that the um, uh, one could argue that what weakens the West strengthens China's options. Unfortunately, I think that for China, uh, this has strengthened NATO and strengthened the Western determination to oppose aggression. Um, on the other hand, it's a demonstration, it pulls in both directions. It's a demonstration that depending on the circumstances, the West and NATO will not intervene or use military uh, force where it would lead to the likelihood of war. I think that might be relevant even vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan, when China can see that Russia appears to have a free hand to do what they want in Ukraine, albeit not without consequences. And I think that there may be perhaps the wrong lessons being learned uh, by Beijing in that case. What would you mean by that? What I mean is that um, one of the key elements, and I'm turning things a bit more to Taiwan now than the Ukraine, a uh, place where I've served, um, that is, that is uh, Taiwan and in China, of course, is that the U.S. has been deliberately ambivalent about whether it would intervene to defend Taiwan. American public support for defense of Taiwan is, is uh, not particularly strong. Uh, China, I believe, sees the U.S. as the last large barrier to its having its way with Taiwan, to reintegrating it into the, integrating it into the People's Republic of China. Uh, so, you, uh, Western willingness to fight, it will be a factor in, in Chinese calculations. I admit that Ukraine and Taiwan are not precisely equivalent, but they are both at least potentially examples of, of great powers, um, choosing to use military force against smaller countries. And I think in that sense, there may be a, an element of parallel. Would Taiwan be more vulnerable tonight than it was 48 hours ago? I would think slightly so, yes, absolutely. Um, of course, China, inherently conservative in its foreign policy, in my view, uh, will wait and see how this all turns out. And it is too early to see how it turns out. If the Russian economy is gravely damaged, and I mean, China will be a very important part of that because China is the, the single biggest option for Russia apart from the West. But if that Russian economy is heavily damaged and if there are internal consequences uh, for, for Putin, we, we can recall that the war in Afghanistan was, it seems, a major factor in the uh, disintegration of the Soviet Union given, given Soviet public's weariness of war and the economic costs. So I think that China, given to calculation and cautious in its actions, uh, will evaluate what's happening in, 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 in Ukraine. But if it, if it ends up that Russia has its way militarily without too much difficulty, and if it can weather the economic outcomes uh, that are waiting for Russia, 
I think that could embolden some of the hardliners in Beijing uh, to perhaps at some point, not immediately, but at some point in the future, choose to take similar action. One thing I've always found interesting. Taiwan. It's sorry, we're now at the point, I think, where it's within their military means to do so. Sorry. Uh, sorry. One thing that I think that is often misunderstood is that all, they are neighbors, China and Russia. They're neighbors that don't have historically not much liked each other. Um, does China see an advantage here in a potentially weakened Russia in terms of the kinds of stuff it gets from Russia, energy and so on? I think a weakened Russia um, has some advantages uh, for China. Quite frankly, a disintegrating Russia, not likely necessarily. Uh, there's, there's fewer people in Siberia than there are in Canada in an area that's almost twice as large, uh, there are still Chinese, I believe, who would like to recover some of those territories that they claim belong to China, to Qing Dynasty China. Um, I think that a weakened Russia is not in a position to drive as tough bargains uh, with China in terms of pricing for, for oil and gas and other natural materials like timber. So uh, if Russia loses much of its Western commerce, China would be their only really big alternative to that end. I think China would be, its bargaining hand would be strengthened. I'm speaking with Gordon Holden, Director Emeritus of the China Institute and Professor of Political Science at the University of Alberta. When we come back, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to what this may do to, to at least strengthen NATO um, or at least Western um, alliances uh, to China's disadvantage. Uh, we'll be back with that after this. And I'm back with Gordon Holden, Director Emeritus of the China Institute and Professor of Political Science at the University of Alberta. We've been talking about uh, China's reaction uh, and China's potential reactions to uh, what's unfolded in Ukraine uh, over the past uh, several, over the past day and a half or so. Um, one of the things that, that, I mean, clearly China has vast economic relationships with the West, with the EU, with uh, with the US, with Canada. Uh, does Does staying neutral or at least appearing to at least allow Russia to do what it wants, disadvantage China in any way when it comes to the unification that we're going to see in the West against this? Well, I think the the solidity that we are seeing emerging, at least temporarily, uh, in NATO is something that China will not be delighted about. I thought in the public limited public comments so far that China has been very careful to blame the United States, but to avoid blaming Europe. China consistently tries to drive a wedge between uh, Europe and, and, and the United States. And I saw some of that in their comments, in their comments today. Um, but uh, yes, uh, a stronger West that is more cohesive uh, would not be in, in China's broad interest. But I think while China uh, does want, does back Russia to some extent in, in the current conflict, China is not at the position where it wants to burn its bridges either to Europe or the United States. Those are two important relationships, important markets uh, with far larger economies than Russia. Russia offers energy and other raw materials, but the EU and, and, and the United States are at least economic superpowers. And I think China would be foolish and is not about to, in, their, in its calculations, uh, damage those relationships. I think it wants both. It wants to um, be with Russia and have Russian support um, in terms of its own challenges with the West, but it doesn't, that doesn't mean that it can't be simultaneously pursuing good relationships with Europe and, and the United States agree that that's possible in the current climate. 
That would seem to be a pretty difficult calculation as it goes forward. Do you think there is a, a quote unquote red line, no pun intended, a red line for China when it comes to this whole um, military invasion of Ukraine? Well, I think that you would see rapidly diminishing Chinese enthusiasm should it go. Enthusiasm is actually not the right word. Tolerance, if it were to go, that is, the Russian actions were to become broader. Again, I believe that China has a fundamentally conservative outlook on international affairs, and they do not want generalized war. Uh, they want a stable situation internationally, economically, and even politically, where they can grow their own strength, where they are growing in strength relative to the West in significant ways. So a, a broad European war, uh, while it might tie down, it would tie down the United States to a degree that would make it very difficult for the United States to project more forces into Western Pacific, uh, I think that there the, would be net disadvantages for China in, in a bigger war. So I think they can live with, they may not be happy with an outright invasion of Ukraine, um, but they will go that far. But beyond that, um, and I hope we can all hope that there's not a broader conflict brewing. What leverage does China have vis-a-vis uh, -vis Russia if it were to start to grow, uh, grow tired of, of, of what's happening uh, in, in, with this military invasion? Well, I suppose one could see a, um, economic leverage is, is there in the sense that they can buy oil from many sources, um, Russia being one. It's hard to imagine them um, ceasing uh, purchasing or abrogating their contracts to buy Russian oil and gas. That would be something on the sort of extreme level. But even on the more modest level, um, overt criticism of Russian actions would be painfully felt in Moscow. Moscow has, I think, and that's why Putin's trip to Beijing before the Olympics was hardly accidental. I think he wanted to shore up Chinese support or at least neutrality. So if China were to start making public criticisms of Russia, uh, I think that that would... Uh, I'm not saying that that would cause Putin to abandon Ukraine. I think he plans to be able to stay, or at least until he, he feels it's neutralized it in a way that is in 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 the Russians in in his mind in in Russia's interest. Uh, so I think that it's uh, um, um, those this, even just words of criticism I think would sting in Moscow. Actual economic sanctions or joining in Western sanctions are extremely unlikely. As a last question, I was just going to ask you, overall, in terms of what kind of impact we're going to see on the global economy because of this, we know what Ukraine exports, a lot of grain and so forth. Obviously, energy prices have shot up. Where do you see the impacts of, of, of this invasion of Ukraine uh, hitting hard in terms of the economy? And how will we feel it as Canadians, do you think? Well, I think particularly maybe starting with Canada, uh, this high oil prices will um, help Canada in the sense of oil-producing provinces particularly Alberta, will benefit in the short term. Uh, for the rest of Canada, where all is, eastern Canada, where all is largely imported from elsewhere, high energy costs uh, will not help the fight against inflation, will accelerate it. Uh, it is true that we are more than self-sufficient in the grains that the Ukraine supplies, uh, but um, uh, where you have a major supplier of, of grains uh, cut off, uh, from the global market, prices will accelerate. So I think these the major effect will be inflationary. There won't be a, a direct or immediate effect on, on Canada because neither Ukraine or Russia are massive trading partners. But the global we have globalized prices for grain and for oil, and, and that's where I think you'll see inflationary pressures. And if those pressures are particularly intense 
uh, Western Europe now has a real challenge in supplying energy, uh, particularly Germany. Uh, that will have a slowing effect perhaps on the European economy, which is a, a very large economy. I think the, an impact could also be um, sharply increased energy prices in the United States. Again, oil is priced in a global fashion. will have an inflationary effect and will not please the U.S. consumers as well. So I think there'll be a whole uh, outward spreading waves of influence, um, all negative except for short-term winners who are oil-producing states, uh, be it Alberta uh, or, or, or jurisdictions or other oil-producing countries will benefit in, the, in significant ways. But for the global economy, it's all bad news. Gordon Holden, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's a pleasure. Thank you, man.